Hello and hello it. and welcome to episode two of the Lions Football Show. I'm your host, Lance Cartelli, managing editor of Lions.com, the greatest website on the internet. Joining me today and every week is former NFL player Eric Crocker. Crocky, how's it going? Man, going good. Ready to talk about some uh, ways to make some money this weekend. Damn right. And uh, you know, don't forget that you can check out Crocker's wide receiver defensive back breakdowns every week on Lions.com's YouTube page. Also joining us today is a writer for Lions.com. You may know him on Twitter as NFL Film Study, but we call him Ian, Ian Wharton. Ian, what's going on? Hey, guys. Happy to be here. Um, Eric was a huge fan of your career. Obviously, like, freaking star on Twitter now. So, like, it's just awesome to be here with you guys. We're, we're happy to have you. Uh, I, you. Are you a fan of my career as well or just uh, Crockies? Well, of course. <laughs> like, that was, you know, without a doubt. Like, you signed the checks. So, I have to be a huge fan. Attaboy. Uh, so today <laughs> on this uh, episode, we're going to break down uh, our six favorite matchups from the week 13 slate. Crocky's going to pick his three favorites. Ian's going to pick his three favorites and uh, we'll give our favorite bets against the spread. And we'll, you know, at the end, we'll take some fantasy questions some gambling questions, straight football, maybe even some life questions from uh, any of the call in audience. So uh, let's not waste any more time. Let's get into it. Uh, Crocky, you want to start with your third favorite game? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Giants and Dolphins. And it's my third favorite because it's like, where's the star power in this game, right? You know, some of the other games, you have some big-time quarterbacks and matchups and things like that. But the Giants and Dolphins game, it, it is intriguing. It's just because you have two teams that you kind of view similarly, right? Like, nobody really views the Dolphins as this great team. But right now, they are on a winning streak, four-game winning streak. They're playing well. Now, the teams that they beat, we're talking about the Panthers, the Jets, the Ravens are really good. But they also beat the Texans. So not the best teams to beat outside outside of the Ravens, but oh, sorry, can you guys hear me? I got a phone call. Yeah, and you know one thing that is yeah, y'all get really kind of not being talked about right now is how well Tua is playing. Tua's playing good football. He's playing good quarterback right now, and it was a huge story when he wasn't playing great. But now that he's playing well, nobody's talking about it, especially over the last four wins. He's been really contributing to the four straight wins. So I really like a lot of what's going on with the Dolphins. Now, on the other side of the ball, you have the you know, New York Giants and kind of what they're doing. They, they have the star power players, or at least the guys that we talk about a lot, you know, polarizing Danny Dimes or, you know, Saquon Barkley, but just not really getting the results. Now, they have played some teams really tight. They played the Kansas City Chiefs really tight. They lost by three points to them. You know, they beat some teams. They just came off of a win against the Philadelphia Eagles. They destroyed the Panthers. So this is a team that, in theory, I mean, you know, we watch them on, what was it, Sunday Night Football or Monday Night Football against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I'm like, man, Giants are so bad. But they've been playing all these other teams tight. So when I look at this, this uh, game, the spread is six. I'm actually going to go with the Giants. I'm taking the points and the Giants plus six. So, uh, question real quick. Uh, er, uh, some news came in. Uh, it's going to be Mike Glennon starting instead of Danny Dimes. Are you still taking the six with that? Yeah, because at first it was uh, four and a half. But I think she was, I mean, even with Glennon, I don't think he can be any worse <laughs> than, than Danny Dimes. And I don't think Danny Dimes is the reason why this team has been playing close. I think their defense can be a little bit better than people give credit for. So I think that's what's going to help the Giants hang around in this game. I'm not saying they're going to win this game, but I'm definitely taking them and the points. 
What do you think, Ian? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a great pickup. I'm glad that you kind of talked about Tua, like this offense for Miami. Interesting note, looking at the Dolphins' rest of their schedule, it's still super easy. So even though they were terrible in the first half of the year, it looked like it was all over for them. It wouldn't be out of the question that they end up with like nine or ten wins. And just to think that that's where they'll be potentially in a couple of weeks if they continue playing at this rate, like that's crazy. Like that totally changes Brian Flores' career potentially to a uh, where he could end up. Maybe it's in New Orleans. Maybe it's still in Miami, depending on what happens with Deshaun Watson. Like that's just kind of a crazy arc for their season, but they have to win these games. Right. And I think Crocker's right at four and a half. I love Miami and that point and a half, it just makes such a big difference because I don't think Miami's that good of a team. Like last year we have to throw away what happened in 2020 2021, the secondary is having a lot of breakdowns. They're still not getting a tremendous pass rush. Um, the linebacker play has been inconsistent. There's just a lot that good coaching can take advantage of. I don't know that the Giants have great coaching per se. We've <laughs> already seen them make one coaching staff change this year. Um, but they're still a professional team with a good defense. And I think that you have to respect that. They have the offensive playmakers. Miami's too inconsistent to be like, yeah, they're the more talented team. They're going to win. They're not that good yet. They're still in like this mediocre tier, and the Giants aren't that far behind them. So I, I tend to agree. I think Miami, I think they win. I don't think that's the question, but I just think six points is a lot of points to lay for a team that's still not really proven themselves over the course of the year. Yeah, I, I am definitely on your guys' side with that one. You know, Giants are just awful on the road one for this year. Tua, like you said, is playing better. I expect him to just kind of RPO to death the Giants uh, this weekend. That Dolphins defense is playing a lot better. The Last week was a huge uh, step for their rookie class. Waddle was great. Javon Holland was great. Jalen Phillips had his best game of his career so far. I think they keep that rolling, uh, especially against uh, Mike Glennon. I think the Dolphins get force two uh, plus turnovers and uh, I think Tua keeps going with that hot streak. I got the Dolphins covering 23-13. Mm. Do you guys have uh, nice. do you guys have yeah. uh, actual like uh, scores for the game or you just both think that uh, the Giants will cover? Yeah, I think the Giants are going to cover. I'm going to go with the score of 20 to 14. And obviously I have the yeah. Dol- I have the Dolphins winning, but Giants covering. Yeah, I think I'd be in that same range, like 24 to 20, um, something really close, something where like a, a field goal um, late in the game, like the Giants make a strange field goal decision instead of going for a fourth down or something like that. Like you just have to count on something zany when it's a bad team. And Joe Judge, I think, is a horrible coach. Um, so I think he'll make a decision like that. But I mean, if, if and that's the thing with Mike Glennon, right? If he throws two or more picks, yeah, this is this is probably going to be a blowout for Miami. So it's it's razor thin. These are one. It's one of those games where it's like, I love to preview it, but I don't know if I'd want to bet on it. That's one of my low confidence games for sure. Yeah, it feels like a stay away from me as well. One, I did want to hit on one more thing. We're talking about how well Tua has been playing recently. If he keeps this up, maybe the Dolphins make the playoffs. Does that change the formula in the offseason? Do they still go after Watson? Do they still try to replace Tua, or do you think they give him another year? Well, I think you have to give him another year. You know, I think you, you if you don't have to, you don't want to have to play musical chairs with the quarterback position. And if – Tua continues to get better, which a lot of people are like, man, he's coming off of a hip injury. It's like everybody's, you know, just throwing that out the window, not worried about that when it comes to his uh, rookie year. On top of that, you know, they didn't even have an offseason last year because of COVID and everything, right? And I think because of how well Justin Herbert came out firing the ball around him winning rookie of the year, everybody just rolled off Tua. But no, quarterbacks can get better, and clearly – Tua is starting to play better. 
Now, use those picks, whatever you're going to use to get, you know, get Deshaun Watson, use those same picks to build around Tua, get him, you know, maybe some more dynamic players, especially running back. They need that, uh, you know, build that offensive line and continue to work on that defense. I think they'll be just fine. Yeah, I I think Miami's probably like the team I'm most plugged into. I used to cover them a lot. Still, like, know some people down there. I think I don't think it matters. I think they're going to go after Watson if he's clear. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I I hate to say that. I'm a huge Tua guy. Like, I'll preface this by saying, like, I freaking love Tua. I think he, I love his accuracy, his timing, his anticipation. I think it's all just really phenomenal. We haven't seen a lot of guys come out with those type of traits and like win that way. I get that there's questions with his arm strength. I, I totally understand that. Like, we'll see how it goes. But like, I love Tua. You know, Watson is obviously an incredible talent. Obviously, a lot needs to be, you know, determined there. Um, I don't know that it matters. I think my, if Miami wants him, I think Miami's going to get him. I think it comes from Stephen Ross. So I don't know that it matters for Tua. Um, as much as I would say, even getting to eight wins this year, I think is a heck of an accomplishment uh, for that team. They've had, I think, one or two games with their entire wide receiving core healthy. Uh, they have no running back that's a difference maker. Miles Gaskin is, is just a guy. The offensive line's in shambles. What they're doing is really patchwork, and it's impressive. It's impressive that they're making it work. Um, as much as I like Jalen Waddell, it's just there's one or two guys on that offense you're building around moving forward. Um, hopefully Mike Gusecki. Hopefully they they extend him too. So if I'm Miami, I keep Tua. I don't know that it matters. Um the question too obviously becomes like, what do you do if you have Watson? Because he runs a totally different offense than Tua. And I think what Miami's finding with the RPO is that this can work. Like this, you're going to need to expand on it in next year. We saw this with the Ravens, Lamar Jackson. Like eventually, you need to expand it into something bigger. But this is a good foundation, and this is a foundation that works for your star playmakers. So, Ian, I have a question for you. You know, is Tua essentially auditioning for other teams right now? If it weren't for all of the charges against um, Watson, I would say, yeah. And I hate to say that. I I think if if you put him in New Orleans, I mean, that's a devastating combination. I think if him and Sean Payton would do wonders. Um, But yeah, I I would guess so. It's just hard to say, right, because of the Watson thing. But I think that deal would have gotten done 100%. I think that deal would have been done. If, if If those cases got settled by the deadline, I think it was, I think Watson's already a, a dolphin. Yeah, that was the biggest roadblock that was reported. And I'm glad you asked that, uh, Crocky, because I was going to ask what uh, Tua's best landing spot is. So it sounds like New Orleans, uh, obviously teaming up with Sean Payton makes the most sense. I think so. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of like a mini Breeze. I don't, I don't want to say he'll be Drew Breeze, who's all-time great, amazing quarterback, but like he's maybe some version of that scale. Similar skill set, great mind, great leader. Yeah, and Sean Payton knows how to work around a quarterback who doesn't have the, the biggest arm or anything either. For sure. All right, so let's uh, let's move to you. Uh, so I'd go with Seattle and San Francisco. Um, obviously, Eric's going to be able to talk a lot about San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just looking at like the trends in this one, and, and part of this is Seattle's terrible. Uh, they are sixth in points against, but you look at this defense, and they're just getting railroaded a lot of these games. Um, they're giving up, you know, 120, 140 plus rushing yards per game. Offenses are getting over 300 passing yards per game pretty easily whenever they have enough plays to do it. Uh, there's just not a lot of resistance on Seattle's defense. Uh, as great as Bobby Wagner is, he's really the only playmaker um, that's consistently showing up in a big way, right? Like Quandre Diggs is nice. Jamal Adams is nice. They had these nice little pieces. 
But as a whole, there's not like that one guy who's just driving turnovers, who's driving impactful plays um, to change the game. And the offense has really suffered because of that. They no longer have a good rushing game. Like their top two rushers are averaging about four yards per carry. And when you have Pete Carroll and when you have an offense that is just still a bit antiquated, and then you have Russell Wilson, who's not playing well, which that's a whole nother issue. Like, where is he at at 33 years old? Like, do we already need to have like the discussion about him being on the backside of his career all of a sudden? This team is just in disarray. Like, I look at them and I'm like, this is the team that needs to change its head coach, might need to flush the GM, might need to trade their star, star quarterback. And it feels like this has been coming to a head for years. And the fact that they're looking at Adrian Peterson at, you know, what's the record? Three and eight. It's, you know, what are you doing? I, I love Adrian Peterson, but he couldn't cut it on a team that was perfect for him as far as if he still had the skill set in Tennessee. Seattle, him, he's not going to make any impact in Seattle, and Seattle's not going to benefit from him in any way. So I think Seattle's just a little bit confused with where they're at in their process. Um, and this has been years of poor drafting. And, and, you know, flip side into this game, where do they build? What, what do they put together to com- combat against San Francisco? San Francisco, I and Lance knows this because he edits every weekly article for me. I'm like, I am pulling my hair out with them constantly. Um, But at the end of the day, Kyle Shanahan is getting the most out of his team at the best time of the year. Like, yes, the Rams, they went, they went into the Rams house and, or um, they hosted the Rams. I'm sorry. And housed them 31 to 10. And then Jacksonville and Minnesota, obviously beating Jacksonville is not a big deal. Minnesota is a good good team. Like that's a team that's a, a playoff favorite to win a wild card spot they were able to handle their business against them as well. And so um, I would look at the key to this game for me is that Seattle wants to run the ball. Well, last three weeks, San Francisco, 52 yards against, 54 yards against, 67 yards against. So this team's playing a little bit better to their identity that they want. They want to win in the trenches. They're doing well with that. And they're still winning games with possibly like the oldest cornerback group that we've seen in the last eight years in the NFL. Like there's not really a whole lot of talent on that back end um, as far as name recognition outside of like Josh Norman, but you wouldn't go into this saying, yeah, Josh Norman is a, is an asset. Like they've relied on him for nine games. Um, so I, I just, I look at this team and, and big picture. Yeah. I don't think San Francisco is some contender, but they're getting the most out of their guys when it matters. Kyle Shanahan was starting to get some heat. I know I wrote about it. Like it was looking really ugly losing to Colt McCoy and the Cardinals. But since then they've kind of righted the ship. Um, they're making do because they're prioritizing the run game again too. like getting Elijah Mitchell back was huge. Um, they're not asking Jimmy Garoppolo to throw outside the numbers a lot, which is important because he can't do that very well. So there's more I want to see out of San Francisco. My expectations for them are sky high compared to where they're at right now. Like I'd love to see Trey Lance out there. I'd love to see Trey Sermon getting more run, but the reality is that those aren't the guys they can count on right now. And so I think they go into this game knowing who they are. They're playing well for what they are. And they're playing a team in Seattle that doesn't really know what they are, and they don't have the horses to get there. So for me, at three and a half points, I think this is going to be a, a beatdown. Like I think this is San Francisco twenty-seven fourteen. Um, I don't think this is going to be close. The only caveat that I would say is that this is a rivalry game. Seattle's won eight out of the last ten matchups. So maybe even if I move the line to like twenty-seven twenty-one, I still feel comfortable taking San Francisco at three and a half. Yeah, ever since uh, you know they 
pretty much converted Debo to running back, the offense really changed and they've been able to attack outside the numbers without Jimmy passing. But what, what do you think, right, this is to both of you guys, what do you think the impact of not having Debo, not having Fred Warner this game has? Does that change the equation at all? I think not having Debo Samuel definitely changes it. You know, like you said, the, the offense has really gone through him, whether he's at receiver or at running back. I mean, this is a guy who had, you know, going into this game, and obviously he's not playing, but he, you know, he's been, the, he's a thousand yard receiver. And that's without you utilizing him as a receiver over the last couple of games. They just put him at running back and let him do his thing there. And still he had, what, three touchdowns in those two games. So, you know, and I think averaging like over nine yards per carry and really being utilized as a true running back. So it's been interesting to see his usage. I definitely think that's something that's going to be missed in the offense because, you know, like Ian was talking about with Jimmy Garoppolo, there, there are limitations there. And I think having a guy like Debo Samuel really helps you mask that. So Jimmy Garoppolo, we're going to have to see probably the best version of him that we've seen. And one thing about the Seattle Seahawks, for everything their offense is right now, which is it's in shambles, their defense is actually playing well. Their defense has been definitely more than serviceable. And when you have, you know, Jamal Adams, he's kind of coming along. He's playing well over the last four weeks. You have Diggs. I think Diggs is one of the better and most underrated safeties in the league. You know, they have players there on the defensive side of the ball, that definitely can help, especially, I mean, I didn't even mention, you know, Bobby Wagner, guys like that who's known to kind of really make life difficult for Jimmy Garoppolo, who likes to throw over the middle. And unfortunately, a lot of his passes are in the area of Bobby Wagner. So um, I'm not as bullish on the 49ers in this game as Ian is. When I look at this game, I see a game where the Seahawks, they've just been the boogeyman for the 49ers. And no matter how good the 49ers are at the time, it's always a dogfight with Seattle or Seattle has just blown them out. When I look at Seattle right now, I think 49ers had a great opportunity to beat them earlier in the season, but you had Jimmy Garoppolo go out. Even then, 49ers didn't take advantage of the defense forcing five straight three and outs. They were only able to get seven points. Sorry, guys, I had a phone call. But um, they were they were able to, they were only able to get seven <laughs> points out of that. So I look at this game, I the Seahawks aren't playing good football. So I have to take the 49ers. But it's definitely not something I'm really comfortable with. I'm taking the 49ers, 27-24, so I have the Seahawks covering the spread. That's interesting. I, I definitely side more with Crocky on this one. I actually have the 49ers, 28-24. I, you know, you guys both mentioned it. It's a, it's a rivalry game. That always is weird. Playing in Seattle still one of the toughest places to play. And Jimmy G just still hasn't been good. He could, should have thrown a lot more interceptions in that Vikings game. Uh, and now without Debo, it really changes everything. But I think, you know, a lot of people are going to think Ike's going to get a bigger role. I actually think it's going to be a Kittle game. I think Kittle's going to shred the Seahawks zone defense and open it up for them. And then I think it's a big Elijah Mitchell blow up spot in fantasy. But, you know, I still can't trust Jimmy G on the road. And I still think eventually Russell Wilson is going to get better. He's not going to be this bad. You know, maybe he is on that back uh, nine of his career, but I just don't see him struggling this much. So maybe this is the game that kind of breaks out of his slump with no Fred Warner. Yeah. Like the only thing I would add, and, and you guys definitely have, I mean, great points. And it, the one thing that Shanahan does well is he finds guys and we started to see it with Juwan Jennings. And I wonder if this is the Juwan Jennings game where he starts to just fill into, he's not, he's not mm-hmm. Debo, obviously like Debo's amazing. Um, but Kittle, right? Like you start to give Kittle a bit, bit bigger role. Do you give Jennings a bigger role? Maybe do you find like Trent Sherfield? Do you start to give him an, another role? It's 
I'm interested to see that this week. And it's, it's the unexpected with the 49ers that I really like about their staff is that they can, you know, they found Jamichael, Jamichael he- uh, Hasty last year, uh, kind of out of nowhere, like comes in and produces like, like it, no one was ever missed. And it's just kind of crazy to see that from uh, so few coaching staffs. And I really respect that about this staff. Um, so this would be a good game. Like, Obviously, the the 49ers need to go into this saying, like, we desperately need a win. Um, their remaining schedule has some couple tough matchups left, and, and winning this one kind of cements them into that wild card race um, as a favorite. So this this will be a big one. For Sunday night football, you know, on paper, I don't think people are looking at, like, 3-8 Seattle as too intriguing, but you guys mentioned it. I mean, this is, this is a big game for both teams. Yeah, they, they actually flexed, they flexed it. it. Flexed yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah that yeah. makes sense. That's how that's how bad Russell Wilson and has been, but uh, yeah, I, I I definitely think you know it's I really want to see this Seahawks offense. Like, what's more? I have this question: What's more likely, Wilson breaks out of his slump, or DK Metcalf punches him on the sideline for not throwing the ball? <laughs> Probably DK Metcalf punches him on the ball. His usage over the last, I mean, on the sideline for not throwing the ball. His usage over the last few games, it has not been good. So I I get the frustration from him. Obviously, we saw you know, on uh, primetime television last week where DK Metcalf against Washington was targeted, what, one time? He had one catch for 13 yards. Like, come on, what, what are we doing right here? We're one of the more talented receivers in the National Football League. But even before that, you know, especially since uh, Russell Wilson came back from the finger injury, the uses of DK Metcalf has not been good. He's not getting yards. He's not being productive. Obviously, you still have Tyler Lockett. He's been doing well. I think he and kind of I don't want to say downplay the 49ers secondary, but the 49ers secondary is probably much better than most people would give it credit for, even with, especially with like Emmanuel Mosley. Like Mosley is playing some of the better football in the NFL at the cornerback position. Not yeah. maybe top five or anything like that, but I'd say he's definitely a top 15 corner right now. He's playing at that type of level. And then when you look at the safeties, yeah. Yeah, and Jimmy Ward, Jimmy Ward pr- brings it all together. Yeah. So without Jimmy Ward, it's not really the same. So I understand what you're saying. Yeah, Ward, Tart, you know, you, you have guys back there that are, like, good. And then really, uh, Kawan Williams, he's been one of the better slots in the NFL that doesn't really get talked about. So that's why the 49ers, I mean, right now, if you look at, you know, just past coverage, production, and whatever it is, you know, they, they're the sixth, they're ranked sixth right now in passing defense. So they're, they're not terrible at all. They do a really good job of living, limiting the deep ball. If they can limit the deep ball in this game, then that definitely will, will make life a little bit more difficult on Russell Wilson and his receivers. Yeah, and I uh, last point, I think uh, the point that Ian made about Juwan Jennings is a, is a good one. In college at Tennessee, he was used as a, as a runner. So I could definitely see him being kind of a poor man's Debo and possibly a, a nice little cheap DFS uh, throw in, in, in GPPs. Let's uh let's move on to uh, Crocker's second uh, favorite game of the week. Oh yeah, definitely. All right, here we go. We have the Patriots against the Bills. That actually might be like my absolute favorite. But Patriots versus Bills, definitely a very interesting game because you know the Patriots they're coming in hot right now. They're clicking on all cylinders. They're they're running the ball well. They're throwing the ball well. They're doing everything really good at a high level right now. When I look at the Bills, the Bills are kind of the opposite. Like, they are so inconsistent. You never know what you're going to get right now from them. And Mac Jones, for everything that everybody had to say about him throughout the process of the draft and all that stuff, Mac Jones is kind of playing – he's playing better football right now than Josh Allen. Now, again, when I say he's playing better football, he might not be asked to do as much as Josh Allen. 
But whatever they're whatever the Patriots are asking Mac Jones to do, he's doing a better job of that than Josh Allen is for the Bills at a more consistent rate. So I really like what they're doing. The spread right now is at three. You know, I think the Pats do a really good job of leaning on the run game and not asking Mac Jones to do a whole lot. It's just, hey, don't really just don't throw the game away. Just make a throw here and there. And we're going to play excellent defense. I think the Patriots defense one of the best in the league right now. They're going to smother Buffalo. Buffalo doesn't have a run game. So they have to lean too much on their quarterback. And I think that's when he kind of can get in a little bit of trouble and get a little erratic. So, man, I mean, I didn't think I would be saying this, but I'm actually taking the Patriots. And not only am I taking the Patriots uh, plus three, I'm actually going to take the Patriots money line. I have the Patriots winning 31-27. Wow. Okay. What, what do you think, Ian? I'm not far off. Yeah. I mean, I think I mentioned this in the picks piece this week is like, I, I think the Patriots money line is being undervalued. Like, I'm surprised that they're not the favorite in this. Um, yeah. You might give the star power nod to the bills because of Josh Allen and like familiarity with the team because they were good last year, but the Patriots are just playing better football. Like the Patriots are on a six game win streak for a good reason. They're number one in the league, just over the bills as far as point differential um, and actually those two teams are the top two in point differential, like easily it's those two. And then the rest of the field, um, they're only two points separated on that note, but these are the top two defenses in the league. You can see why two great head coaches, um, as far as defensive ability, um, offensively, I think that's the difference, right? Is that I love Brian Dayball, but him and Josh Allen have not been on the same wavelength as they were last year. Last year, everything clicked. Allen made a ton of crazy plays, benefited a little bit from, um, very advantageous dropped interceptions, some turnovers that didn't really go, um, that probably could have gone the other way. The running game was a little bit more effective. Everything's just been a little bit disjointed this year. Like the play flow and the flow of the game is a little bit different for Buffalo. And, and like Croc mentioned, week to week, we don't know what we're getting. We're either getting the tremendous Buffalo that will steamroll anybody, the Jets, the Dolphins, even you know the Chiefs. Or we're getting this version of them that they showed against Indianapolis. They got killed against Indianapolis. They couldn't do anything. Their rushing defense was awful. Jonathan Taylor just did whatever he wanted to them. Um, offensively, they, the Bills couldn't do anything at all. They looked completely incompetent. And I don't know what they're going to do from game to game. And then obviously last week on Thanksgiving, the Saints, they steamroll the Saints. Granted, it's a very injured Saints team, but like we just saw a pretty injured Saints team do decently against the Cowboys. So like... I don't really know what to make of Buffalo, and it's it's hard for me to give them three points against a team that I just think objectively knows what they are and knows who they are better than what the Bills are right now. I think Mac Jones will hit that ceiling in the playoffs. Like they remind me of a really good NBA team, or just like we've seen this over the course of the of years in the NFL too, where like the Steelers last year they go out, I think they started what like twelve and zero or something like that, and then all of a sudden like they hit a wall and then they can't win a single game. Like, yeah, they're the Jazz. Yeah, yeah, they're, exactly. They're the Jazz, right? They're playing their very best. They're playing 100% right now. When you get into the playoffs, teams are like, oh, okay, we're going to play really hard now, too, and we're just more talented. So we're going to win, um, but you're a pain in our thorn or a thorn in our side until you know we get to that point. So I kind of think they're like the Jazz this year. They're going to win a ton of games. I think they're going to win the AFC East. Um, I wouldn't have said any of that at the beginning of the year, but Mac Jones is perfect for Josh McDaniels. McDaniels knows exactly how to get the most out of him. He's uh, his skill set is very similar to Brady. I mean, obviously, we're not going to say he's Tom Brady, but there's a lot there that you can execute easily because he has that accuracy, that anticipation. He sees the field well, pre-snap very well, um, gets rid of the ball fast. Like, there's no hesitation in his game. So those 
issues, even though you have a week to prepare for them, it's just a little bit, little different intensity rosters are a little bit different right now. So I do think the Patriots are uh, going to keep rolling. I mean, they're an impressive team. Like what Bill Belichick has done this year is, is fantastic. Their offseason, I was a little bit questionable about what it was going to impact their roster like. Um, but getting all those guys off the COVID list from last year has made a huge difference. We've seen that over the last couple of weeks. Dante Hightower and all these guys. Um, there's just not a, a low floor for them, right? It's a very high floor, um, decent ceiling. And they're comfortable playing the way that they play. They don't care about the trends. They're just out here doing it. I think they're going to do it again to Buffalo. I think Buffalo is going to be caught off guard. Even though they know what's coming, just the level of execution is so high. They're going to be – that's going to throw them off their game. Yeah, and, and one thing I want to point out, and Ian kind of talked about it, right, the uh, the spread. I mean, not even not the spread, but the point differential. When you look at kind of what's skewed in the Buff- Buffalo's favor as far as point differential goes, they beat Miami 35-0, and then they beat Houston 40-0. So right there, I mean, we're talking about 75 to zero in point differential just over those two games. And then also the New York Jets, they beat them 45-17. So I think obviously like they 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 are they run very hot and cold. They've scored a ton of points at different times. But then I mean losing to Jacksonville nine to six, like you talked about, Ian, getting their bus kicked by Indianapolis. I think they're just a little too hot and cold. And when you're running into a team like the Patriots, who's hot, just hot right now, there's no like cold part to them. And then how well the defense is playing and what they can do to Josh Allen. I think that's difficult. Now, again, now this is one of those games where maybe Josh Allen, you know, gets out of whatever funk he's in and, and becomes just that version, that MVP, the MVP version of what we thought we would see. Yeah, yeah, he could go supernova like he did against the Niners, right? Or what he's done against year. other guys. I mean, even Kansas City, they beat up on Kansas City. So if he can, if he can get back to that, and that's what who he's going to be, yeah. Then, then I mean, Buffalo will have no issues winning this game. But I just, I can't put my money on that. I can't bet on that. And I just think the Patriots are much more of a consistent team organization. They know exactly how they want to win, and they do a really good job of that. So I'm going with, yeah, I'm going with the Patriots in this one. It's okay. I'll be the one to disagree with Uh-oh. you guys. I've got the Bills uh, winning and covering. Uh, this is my matchup of the week. Uh, I think it's such a fascinating clash of styles. You've got the Bills that are trending towards what really the NFL is doing, being more pass happy. And the Patriots just going back to basics and just bludgeoning teams. Uh, I think I do have a couple questions, I guess. Uh, with the wind being something that could be a real factor on Monday night, does that hurt the Patriots more because they are a good run team, but Mac Jones doesn't have the arm strength and Josh Allen does, or is that better? Cause they can just focus on the run. Well, they don't push the ball down the field. Like, like that's not how they want to win. Anybody who's watched the New England Patriots and you watch uh, Mac Jones play the quarterback position again, they want to lean on the run game. And there are a lot of four, five yard passes, screen passes. He throws a ton to the running backs. And then every blue moon, he will push down the field and put something in good position for a guy to catch. But that's not what their game is predicated on. So I don't think that the win will be as much of an issue for Mac Jones as it would for somebody like Mac, uh, Mac Jones, somebody like Josh Allen, who his game is more predicated on the big play, the explosive play, pushing the ball downfield to Javon Diggs. Now, it's not going to hurt Josh Allen because he has this cannon of an arm. So, yeah, I don't think the win is going to be a, uh, an issue for either one of these quarterbacks just because of their style of, style of play and what their ability is. Okay, yeah, now I got one more question for you guys. I, I was doing some research, and I saw some prognosticators have the Pats at a 25% chance to win the Super Bowl. How realistic do you guys think that is for a rookie quarterback, even playing this well, to win a Super Bowl? 
Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I think it's way too high. I mean, I don't want to sell Belichick too short, <laughs> but the AFC is loaded. I mean, I think once we get to the playoffs, we're going to see the competition really ramp up. Um, it's, I don't see, I mean, I'd maybe give him, I'd give him a whole lot less than that. Maybe 5%. I just don't see Mac. Like, I mean, I like, wow, I like okay. Mac Jones. I just don't, I, just, <laughs> I don't think he's that guy. Right. Like I think to win the title, you have to be, yeah, I, I, you're not that guy. Not man. yet. You know, not yet. Maybe come back in three years, three, four years. But, you know, I mean, you're going to be playing Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it's loaded, man. And I, it's hard for me to go with the rookie. It's not that simple, but sometimes it is that simple. Yeah, I think it's Jimmy G-ish so, because, yeah. you know, yeah. the, the walls kind of close in on you in the playoffs and everything gets heightened a little bit. And I think it's just going to be tougher. Like he is making great throws in small windows, but I just think that lack of arm strength and that lack of experience is really going to catch up to him once we get to the playoffs. I don't think that lack of experience or arm strength is going to be the issue for him. I, I think it's just more of like playmaking ability. And when the playoffs come and things do get a little tighter, you do need a guy who can play above the X's and O's. And right now when we watch Mac Jones, mm-hmm. everything is like he's playing in that offense at a very high level. But when the, when the playoffs come and those defenses really like focus in on you and want to take away everything that you do well, what do you do then? Like, what is your counter? And that's the thing that we don't know from Mac Jones. Now, again, as someone who has said, hey, these are things that might be an issue for him in the NFL, they haven't been the issue yet. So maybe I'm overthinking it and it's not going to be an issue, but I just look at it at some point, and we saw this with the 49ers in the Super Bowl against Kansas City Chiefs. At some point, your quarterback, if he is slightly limited, he is going to have to make plays and to keep up with a guy like Patrick Mahomes, to keep up with a guy like Josh Allen. And at the biggest moment, Will he be able to do that? So I do like the, I mean, 25% chance, like that's, that is high. But I do think if it is, like let's hypothetically say the Patriots do win the Super Bowl. I do think they have the recipe to do that because their defense plays so well. They take the ball away at a high rate. They score points off of their defense, and they do a really good job of leaning on the run game with an efficient quarterback that takes care of the ball for the most part. So I think that's where if, if they do win the Super Bowl, I, I could see that happening. Okay, cool. Let's uh, let's move on to Ian's second favorite game of the week. Yeah, I'm going to go with another rivalry game, uh, Raven Steelers. Um, this is this is huge, right? Like AFC North has been loaded this year. Uh, four legitimately good teams, uh, just varying on the scale. Somewhere between you know the Browns, <laughs> Browns being the Browns, the Steelers being bad then good then bad again. They're they're hot. Like, it just you don't know where this conference is or this division is going, except for we know that the Ravens are really good. Um, despite a ton of injuries that seem to cap their upside, but they so far hasn't capped their upside. And we know that the Steelers are in like the midst of this like honeymoon phase with Ben, where like this might be Ben Roethlisberger's last year. We we would figure that it is, but you know, you just never know, right? Like if they get another playoff push, does he come back? What happens? So this is kind of like that last push, I think, for the Steelers. They're five, five, and one. The remaining schedule has Ravens, Vikings, Titans, Chiefs, Browns, Ravens. So it's a murderer's row. Like this is this is going to be it for them. They ha- are they're basically entering must-win games uh, for the majority of the rest of their season. And Baltimore is kind of in this spot where it's like, yeah, they still need to win too because Cincinnati's right on their tail. Uh, they still play the Bengals. They play the Browns. Um, so they're and the Steelers again at the end of the season. So like they still need to keep pushing too. But so this is a matchup for me. It's like I want to see exactly what the Steelers can do with their backup against the wall. Uh, the Ravens have been playing pretty well three of the last four weeks. I mean, I know they got embarrassed by Miami on Thursday night football, 
Um, but if you take that game away, as far as the quality of their wins, right, they they beat the Browns with four interceptions from Lamar Jackson. Like, we can delve into why that happened a little bit. Uh, I think Greg Roman needs to kind of change this offense a little bit. I know a lot of uh, receiver option routes have been getting a lot of attention, and it's been good. It's good, it's good until it's not, right? It's good until, like, now we're starting to see mistakes. We're starting to see forced throws. Um, Jackson's having to do a little bit too much. The running game isn't there because of offensive line injuries and running back injuries. So I, I kind of think they need to bring it back a little bit to put Jackson into a more successful situation. Um, don't overcomplicate things when you have such a talented star. You have more receiving talent. Rashad Bateman, he's played well. I think that they are able to get guys in more um, advantageous situations one-on-one. Marquise Brown, obviously he is simply phenomenal, having a great year. I, just kind of rely on the talent a little bit more as opposed to um, trying to over-scheme sometimes. I think that's Roman's issue with the passing game at times is they don't need to come out here like Cliff Kingsbury and, and, the, and the Cardinals, right? Like I think they can keep things a little bit more simplified, ball control, try to just keep things um, pared down a little bit so that the defense isn't getting so gassed. They're 32nd in pass defense, which is a little bit shocking considering their reputation, but injuries will do that. And they need to be careful this game because the Steelers have shown they've given up on the run game. The Steelers don't care to run the ball, which isn't good for the Ravens because all of their foes give up on running the ball because their running defense is too good and their pass defense is that weak. So the Steelers already kind of had that advantage as far as like the play style and what they want to do. I think it's the Ravens that now need to readjust what they've been doing um, to say, okay, like looking against Miami, we haven't been able to, to pass effectively. Got a lot of zero blitzes. We didn't adjust on the fly. We didn't give Lamar Jackson those quick outs, those little quick throws, or attack vertically to really take advantage of single coverage. So then what happens against the, the Browns? The Browns kind of want to do the same thing. They try to bring the pressure, leads to four turnovers. So I think they need to look at their game plan and say, well, we can guess on P- P- Pittsburgh bringing the blitz, bringing a lot of pl- pressure, continuing to, to harass um, Lamar Jackson, and they're excellent at it. Pittsburgh is the number seven uh, third down defense in the league, and the Ravens are one of the uh, 25th at, at converting third downs. So there's going to be your game. And I think that this is going to be a great matchup because of that. These teams have such good strengths and weaknesses, and I think they're very clear as far as their play style. Um, I like Pitt, I like Baltimore, actually, in this one. I, I think a lot of people could look at Pittsburgh and say, you know, they might have the advantage. Um considering that they're at home, or I'm sorry. Yeah, they are at home as well. Um, it's at four and a half. I think that's grown a lot. It opened up at three. I was really comfortable with that three number with Baltimore. Four and a half is right on the edge for me. I don't know that I'd go Baltimore any higher. Um, I do like Baltimore to win, though. I do think this will be like one of those 28-24 type games. Um, I guess at that number, I would take Pittsburgh to cover. But I do think I'm more confident in Baltimore winning outright than I am um, Baltimore covering. And and it sounds like you like the over as well, uh, Crocky. What do you think? Man, this this game is is wild because I I put some money on Pittsburgh last week to beat Cincinnati. I'm like, oh man, minus three Pittsburgh versus Cincinnati. I don't really that didn't work out too. It well. did not work well. I, I mean, that game was over by halftime. I was just like, okay, I lost on that one. Now when I look at Pittsburgh, they have a, a you know really just one thing that's really big and kind of concerning to me. It's Ben Roethlisberger. We don't know which one is going to show up. Sometimes he looks shot. Sometimes he still can kind of dig in his bag and come up, come from the dead and make a beautiful throw. The defense, I think, is playing well, especially if you have uh, uh, T.J. Watt. 
healthy and whatnot. He's done a good job of wreaking havoc. The secondary has been up with them. Well, Watt is on the COVID list, so he. Oh man! So if you don't have that, that's a game changer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because who's consistently going to bring that pressure, right? So I mean, looking at this game, I I just like Baltimore. I think that they know exactly who they are. Where Pittsburgh is trying to still figure out how to play with the limitations of Ben Roethlisberger. So when I look at this spread, uh, um, four and a half. I'm actually going to go with Steelers that cover the spread, but I'm going with Baltimore for the win. So I'm going to go 31-27. Okay. Uh, I, once again, will disagree. So I, uh, I got the Ravens winning big. I think this one's going to be a blowout. I, there's absolutely no way I'd put any money on Big Ben <laughs> at all, ever, anymore. Uh, he is just so hard to watch. And it, like you said, you know, Lamar had some struggles and everything, and the Ravens still were able to win. I don't think he's going to have another four-interception game. Uh, I just I wonder how much longer the Steelers can really trot out Big Ben at this point. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe not while they're still technically in it. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some Dwayne Haskins eventually. But uh, I really do want to focus on the defense. I, the Steelers' defense, like everyone's talking about the offense, the defense has not been great lately. And now without Watt, I think they're in in big trouble. So... Uh, I've got the Ravens winning 34-24, but I do think it's going to be a big Chase Claypool game. Uh, he had the, a little squeaky wheel narrative where he just wanted, wants to have more fun. He's had 17 targets uh, the past two games. I know Big Ben's struggling a little bit, but uh, the Ravens can be beat deep. I think Claypool could have a, a nice game. I actually have Deontay Johnson. He's one of my guys that I'm talking about on my live sports uh, video, but and not to not to not to do you know nice spoiler tease. alert or anything like that, but Deontay Johnson. One thing about him, you talked about Chase Claypool and his targets. Well, Deontay Johnson, he's seen thirty six targets over the last three games. So high volume of targets. There's only been two games where Deontay Johnson did not reach double digit targets in the game. So uh, that's somebody definitely keep an eye keep an eye on uh, throughout this game. Yeah, when he's on the field, he's wide receiver one. It's just him being on the field. Right. Uh, and on the other side, I think it's a big Marquise Brown game. I know Ian mentioned that, but they just, it feels like they're just due to, to have one of those huge two touchdown of like 60 plus yard games. They did it earlier in the season and they've missed a little recently. I think it's going to be a big Hollywood game. I I don't know why, but I just, I, and maybe I just need to see it more or over an entire season, but I just don't believe it yet. You know, I need to see a little bit more. And then obviously we have Rashad Bateman. He's coming alive too. I think he may take a few targets away from Hollywood Brown. I think Hollywood Brown, the biggest thing that he has working for him right now is just that big playability. Can you do that against this Pittsburgh Steelers defense? If Watt continues to be on the COVID list, then I definitely think, you know, having that, you know, just more time being able to, you know, for Lamar Jackson to be able to kind of sit back there and maybe move around and then potentially throw the ball down the field, that would definitely help him be able to create the big play with Hollywood Brown. Yeah, even though, uh, you know, I think Marquise Brown is so small that I think people still, like, you, you know, you still need to see more of it. But he's still getting a huge target share, even with Bateman in there. I expect Bateman to start getting more targets and be a bigger part of the offense. But even with him in there, I think Hollywood's still getting, like, 30% target share. Yeah, I mean, it, you can't help but, like, feed him. Like, that's part of it, right? Like, he's been such a good playmaker. If it weren't for a couple drops, I know at one point, if it wasn't for, like, two or three drop touchdowns, like, he would have been 
far and away like the leading receiver in the NFL. So, I mean, kudos to him for his growth and they need to keep feeding him at that rate. I mean, you just need that speed. You need, you got to have it or else they're going to keep crashing the box. They're going to keep, you know, testing Lamar to, to uh, make plays with his legs and extend plays. You can't have that. You got to keep Brown being aggressive, getting the ball in his hands, almost treat him like Debo sometimes too. I think that would be kind of fun uh, to, to use him almost as like a quasi running back at times, even, even though he's very small, like you're not literally giving him handoffs, but keep giving him screens, keep giving him those rub routes just to make things easy on the offense. Yeah. I'd love to see him focus featured more in like the end around game and everything too, or just even as a decoy that would really throw off the defense. Yeah, absolutely. I would love that. All right, let's, uh, let's get to Crocker's number one game of the week. Oh yeah. It's the Chargers against the Cincinnati Bengals. And I mean, the battle of the young quarterbacks, two guys that went in the top 10 a year ago. And you got uh, Justin Herbert against Joe Burrow. I'm really excited about that. One thing I've noticed right away, this this spread here is three. So, and the Bengals are at home. So, I mean, this was a neutral side game. We're talking about a pick them. So they don't know who's really better as a team. They're just giving the home team the points. Bengals have destroyed some good teams. I mean, they just beat up on the Ravens. Uh, They lost, you know, two games straight at one point to the Jets and the Browns. And then they came back and they uh, beat the Raiders. They beat the Steelers. And I'm trying to figure out, like, okay, which Bengals team is going to show up? Is it the team that had lost uh, two straight games to the Jets and the Browns, or is it the ones that destroyed the Ravens, Raiders, and Steelers? And those games against the Ra- uh, Ravens, Raiders, and Steelers weren't necessarily close. A 41-17 to win against the Ravens, 32-13 win over the Raiders, 41-10 win over the Steelers. So when they win, they win big. I think one thing that they've done very well over the last couple of weeks is really just turn around and give the ball to Mixon. Mixon has had a ton of touches over the last couple of weeks, and I think that's how they want to win within the run game. When it comes to the Chargers, I think that's the team where it's like win the game, lose the game, win the game, lose the game. You're not sure what to get from them from week to week. And then when you look at Joe uh, Justin Herbert and, and how he's kind of been playing, his play early on, it was kind of a little weird, right? He had some weird moments. I saw some people kind of questioning, like, uh, did we crown Justin Herbert just a little too soon? I'm not going to say that, but I do think that Joe Burrow right now is probably playing a little bit better uh, quarterback. Even though Justin Herbert has the big uh, yardage, he has some of the big plays, he definitely had a big game against the Steelers. And if that version of Justin Herbert comes out, this is definitely going to be a tough one. But right now, as is, I'm definitely taking the Cincinnati Bengals and the points, and I have the Bengals winning 33-28. Yeah, no, I, I love this game too. Like, Okay, like, what, what do you think? The Chargers are so frustrating. I just, I'm with you. Like, I think Eric said it so well. Like, I'm kind of in that boat where it's like, yeah, Herbert came out really strong in his rookie year, but as the season progressed, he really cooled off. He started taking a lot of checkdowns. He started looking more like Oregon, Justin Herbert, where everything was like five, six, seven yard completions. He didn't want to keep pushing the ball. And some of that is the scheme. Like they don't have a lot of speed at receiver. Um, that's kind of come into play, I think, over the last couple months here. Uh, this year with the Chargers is like they're running weird routes. Like they're not having Keenan Allen really run beyond, you know, those short intermediate routes. He's just kind of predictably doing what he does. Defenses are looking at Mike Williams and saying like, yeah, okay, like we know what you do. Like you are who you are at this point. Like you're really good, but you're you're exactly what you are. You can't break your stereotype uh, far too often. They haven't really gotten guys like Josh Palmer involved. They just don't really have uh, that next little guy. They've made sense for Odell Beckham, I think, for that reason, because they needed some speed. They needed a guy that could just like run downfield fast and be a legitimate threat. 
Yeah, Odell or Deshaun oh, Jackson. Yeah, Deshaun Jackson would be great. Um, would have been really easy too for Deshaun to just like go down the hall, like go down a couple you know miles or whatever um, from the Rams. So, anyways, but you know they needed someone like that. And they don't have it. I think because of that, Joe Lombardi's kind of in a weird spot where this is just a limited group of personnel, and they're good at what they do and only what they do. They can't really break that mold too well, so they they just have to be excellent with their execution, and they're not really that right now. Um, that consistency just hasn't gotten to where they are. I mean, they're 22nd in rushing this year. Um, as, as far as yards, they're efficient, but not great as far as breaking big plays. And defensively, they've seen their rush defense really really you know, crash to the ground. And some of that is Kenneth Murray being injured, Asante Samuel being injured. Um, and then some of it's just their overall personnel and identity. Like Brandon Staley doesn't really care about stopping the run as much. We know that. Like, he's an analytics guy. He knows that the pass is what's important. But in a matchup like this, where, as Eric said, Joe Mixon has been absolutely demolishing teams, this is a bad matchup for the Chargers. Like, the last thing I want to do is see a 6'1", 220-pound dude who has the flexibility, speed-to-power ratio, and vision to carve him up to 200-plus yards. Like, I don't know that he's going to do that, but he has the ability to. He could steamroll this defense um, it, it, if the Chargers don't load the box and almost start to want Joe Burrow to make plays down downfield, like I think I'd be daring Joe Burrow to make the plays as opposed to Mixon because we know that Mixon will absolutely feast on this unit. You kind of have to know your strengths and weaknesses. I think they need to play into their strength and desperately avoid their weakness this week. Um, this is like Eric said though too. Like this, the Bengals have this issue. They have a young coaching staff. They have a young group of personnel. They're inconsistent themselves, so they need to kind of have their stuff together too. If they come out with the wrong game plan, um, forget about Joe Mixon or just simple do simply do between the tackle things with Mixon. I think they can fall into that trap of just letting the Chargers hang around until the last quarter, and then it just becomes a, a, a battle of the young quarterbacks. Whoever's gonna you know be hanging lower at the end of the game as far as you know their cojones. So. They need to be careful with that. I do think Cincinnati is the better overall team. Um, I love the Chargers as far as like their what they are on paper. But now what's on paper, as we're 12 weeks into the season, it's not too promising. <laughs> their offensive output will, will you know kind of go between 250 yards against the Vikings to 533 against the Steelers. So like their inconsistency is just maddening too. Um, defensively, they've got to be locked down tight. And they have been over the last couple of weeks. They've, they've shown out a little bit better. Um, certain aspects of it, but it's just their run defense. This is a horrible matchup for them. So I'm taking the Bengals to cover. Um, I would probably say this will be, I think, the game of the week. I think this is a great pick for for Eric. This is a, a, fan, a fantastic matchup. What it means for the playoff race is huge. Um, I can't understate that enough. This is one that could knock out the Chargers, um, really put them into a tough spot for the remaining season. Uh, but I do like the Bengals to win. I'd probably say like something really exciting, like 35 to 31, that type of game. You know, the tough thing is, uh, real quick, Lance, when I when I look at this, I if you that. think the Bengals are going to win, a lot of times, again, recently, they, they've won big. So I think yeah. we're actually just showing the Chargers, you know, a little respect for, you know, being able to play some good football. But if Bengals win, I don't know if it's going to be close. You guys almost convinced me. I, uh, I got the Bengals winning in a tight one. Uh, 24-23, so the Chargers do cover. I completely agree with what Ian was saying. The the Chargers' front seven, especially the defensive line, has one good player, Joey Bosa, and he's a pass rusher, so they don't care about stopping the run. Going to be a huge mix-in game. My favorite bet, actually, is the under of 50-and-a-half. I think this is going to be two teams 
that have really long clock killing drives, I think the Bengals are really just going to feed Mixon. So I think it's going to be 24-23, a close one. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the Chargers offense, like Joe Lombardi, the Chargers offense coordinator, is one of my mortal enemies. He has made watching Herbert not as fun as it should be. He is He throws the most beautiful deep passes, and now he's got him playing, you know, five to six yard checkdowns and everything, which actually will work against the Bengals defense because that's exactly what Mike White and the Jets did. So I just think it's going to be a kind of a methodical, slow, maybe not as exciting game as people think, but a close one with the Bengals pulling it out. Uh, question for you guys then. Uh, Jamar Chase, going to stay in this little mini slump? Should we expect another T. Higgins game? Um, for fantasy, who would you guys rather start there? Higgins. You know, the, the, here's the tough thing, though. Jamar Chase, you know what? Maybe I'll maybe I answer that too quick. I'll go with Chase because I do feel <laughs> like he will get a touchdown. The tough thing is when it, when it comes to his yardage, his big outbursts have been because he had like maybe multiple really big games. Teams that have limited him, you know, to not getting that huge gaping uh, game in the game, well, you know, we're talking about, you know, 30, 40 yards, right? So that's not anything, you know, too crazy. But when they do get in the red zone, they do target him a good amount and give him those opportunities to make plays down there. And as we get, you know, we see a reflection of that with the touchdowns that he has. So uh, at some point, he's going to catch the deep ball. It's just a matter of when. And if you think that can happen in this game against the Chargers defense, then you definitely go with him. If you don't see him making that big play, then I will go with Higgins because I think just on a down-to-down uh, basis, he's been the more consistent receiver. Yeah, I would completely echo what that. Do you think, yeah? I think that's, like, perfect. I would say, you know, Chase is, like, that higher upside guy, but Higgins is the workload guy. And so um, it's a good, you know, I mean, what a problem to have. Those guys are both number one type receivers for, for that offense. But, yeah, if I had to – if I know I just need, like, a solid output game, I'm taking Higgins. If I'm going into this as, like, okay, the other team is – probably going to win by like two scores. I need chase because chase might come out with like two deep touchdowns. Um, he might come out with zero, but you know, his upside is much higher. I think fantasy from week to week. And, uh, but you're, you're the, a couple points here and there in between those big weeks. Okay. Let's, uh, let's move on to uh, Ian, your, your best game of the week. Yeah. So my top matchup is the chiefs and, and Broncos. Um, you know, again, I keep going to get back to like some of these like storylines. And then this is, again, another classic rivalry. We've seen the Chiefs kind of dominate this one. Uh, it's been 10 straight wins for the Chiefs. But we've seen some really great games, even though the Broncos have been terrible in that stretch. Uh, I go back to a couple years ago. Um, I, I want to say it was like Sunday night football. We saw um, Patrick Mahomes basically running for his life against a lot of cover one, cover zero looks uh, from the Broncos. And because it's the Broncos can throw some things at you defensively because of their great cornerback play because of Vic Fangio. Um, they have rangy linebackers. They have very good safety play. Like their defense is built to win right now in the most modern of ways in the NFL. Um, even without Von Miller, if they had Von Miller, obviously they'd be even more talented, but like this defense is championship quality at times. And I love seeing what they do to Patrick Mahomes. They really make him uncomfortable um, in, in certain instances. The question is whether they get the offense. This game has a huge line, nine and a half to 10 points, depending on where, what book, book you're finding. And that is a line that I'm like, oh, like I feel like I got to play this one and put money on the Broncos because 
they continue to be uh, quality against the spread. They're six and five against the spread compared to the Chiefs, who over the last three years have been terrible against the spread. Even this year, they're sitting four and seven um, despite them getting hot. So I think odds makers continually play into um, the public's perception of the Chiefs and the reality that right now the Chiefs are a dominant team. They are. They are simply steamrolling teams. Um, defensively, they have four straight weeks of 301 or less total yards given up. Uh, they haven't given up more than 100 yards on the ground except for twice over the last six weeks overall. So just huge improvements um, all over the place. One of those weeks was when Jordan Love was playing for the Packers. So I, I think that the Chiefs have figured out the identity. I think that getting um, uh, getting uh, Melvin Ingram from the Steelers really unlocked a lot for their defense. It allowed them to put Chris Jones back at defensive tackle, and that was a huge difference-making play um, because now they're getting a competent edge rusher and they're getting a tremendously good defensive tackle as opposed to a good defensive end and then a subpar defensive tackle. And everything around their defense has kind of morphed because of that, and they become a really great team. Offensively, they're not dropping balls that go for interceptions. It's kind of as simple as that. Like, whatever was happening from that stretch from their loss against the Chargers with four turnovers through their loss against the Titans with three turnovers, it just kind of stopped. And I, and I think that we kind of overvalued that randomness that happens sometimes in football. Um, they had a stretch with four turnovers, one turnover, four turnovers, three turnovers, and then another three turnover game. Like that's just a wild stretch for a team that has one of the smartest players in the NFL today. One of the best coaches in the NFL today, tremendous playmakers, um, and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, like it was just kind of fluky and we didn't look at it and say it was fluky. We were just like kind of hot taking and being like, Oh, like this team's done. Like they've everyone figured them out. Just play cover two. It turns out that like Patrick Mahomes knows how to play against cover two. Big shocker, big shocker that Andy Reid knows how to throw the ball against cover two. Um, like, so, I mean, this might sound like I would take Denver. Um, but the reality is that I really trust. I like Denver's defense a lot. I like Teddy Bridgewater. I think that he's, He's not obviously going to push them to a win. He's not that type of player. Um, but his surrounding pieces are so good that he doesn't have to do a whole lot. Melvin Gordon looks doubtful. I just saw on Twitter um, he's doubtful to play that game. Definitely doesn't help. Gordon's been more consistent than Javante Williams. But I do want to see more of Javante Williams. I think this is the game we talked about Chase and Higgins um, in, the, in the Bengals game. I think this is a, a moment where you need the guy who can hit the home run and maybe not be as consistent. I think Williams can bring that to the the Broncos offense. They can he can give them two yards, three yards, thirty yards, as opposed to Melvin Gordon, who's getting five yards, six yards, seven yards, five yards. So I think this is the game where you need the home run hitter. You have to overcome a ten point deficit on the books. I think Denver's going to do that. They're going to be very aggressive on defense. Uh, Vic Fangio's one coaching for his job, two fighting for um, a playoff race. And so for them to lose this game would be pretty devastating to lose on the road in a blowout fashion would be a horrible look. Um, I do think that Denver kind of answers the the bell to that. Just barely. <laughs> I'm talking like 28-21, not going to be a Denver win, but this is uh, just too many points. I, Kansas City's tra- track record against the record, against the uh, spread is just too bad for me to trust them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm really excited to see Javante Williams uh, dynasty-wise on keep trade cut. He maxed out at running back four this week, which is crazy wow. to me. Uh, and, you know, Melvin Gordon's been good this year, but I definitely want to see, you know, the Javante Williams show. Uh, Crocky, what do you what do you think about this matchup? Yeah, I think, you know, I think Ian touched on a lot of really good points. You know, the, the kind of things that really jump out to me right away, Broncos, number three defense 
uh, as far as points scored per game. They're only giving up 17.8 points per game. And when you look at Kansas City Chiefs, their offense has kind of struggled a little bit at different points. And I think a lot of it has just happened to do – it just it's had to do with just the offense and turning the ball over. So what version of Kansas City are we going to see in this game? Are we going to see the Kansas City Chiefs who turn the ball over at a high alarming rate, and especially with uh, their quarterback? He's been kind of at the head of that. Or are they going to take the take care of the ball and be able to be that explosive team that we've known them to be? I'm actually going to go with the Broncos' defense over – the Chiefs offense now not to win this game but to definitely keep it closer than we would expect so you know Teddy Bridgewater he doesn't really do anything for me in the sense of you know the explosibility of an offense I think the receivers have been definitely serviceable to like slightly above serviceable for the Denver Broncos Sutton has been cool you know and they just paid him read up his contract you have Tim Patrick he's been doing well uh throughout this year but I don't think it's anything that's really going to keep be able to keep up with the Chiefs in terms of being able to beat them. But I do like the Broncos to keep it close. So I'm actually going to go with a lower scoring game. I'm thinking more 24 to 20, and I'm taking the Kansas City Chiefs. Or I'm taking the, the Broncos with the points, but Kansas City Chiefs to win the game. Yeah, so we're all on the same page. I've got the Broncos covering. i got the Chiefs winning in a slightly higher scoring game, 31-24. Uh, you know, I think you guys make some great points with the Broncos defense. I'm really excited to see uh, Patrick Sertain versus Tyreek Hill. That's uh, going to be really juicy. But the Chiefs coming off a bye week with Andy Reid, I think he's going to have some things up his sleeve. Uh, so, I, and, you know, I think Mahomes has kind of broken out of that perceived slump he had. He's going to always have a couple turnover-worthy plays. It's just how he plays. But I think he's going to be able to put up enough points where the Broncos and Bridgewater can't really keep up. And I really am – Super impressed with the Chiefs defense. I'm glad Ian mentioned uh, Melvin Ingram. He's really transformed the defense and kind of seems like Steve Spagnolo, the Chiefs defense coordinator, does this every year. He kind of lulls you to sleep thinking the defense is bad, and then they gel at the right time and they become a force. And they've really changed the outlook for the Chiefs for me. And I think they are now, you know, one of the back to being that one of those upper echelon teams. But with 58% of the, the bets on the Broncos to cover, I, I think they will too. Uh, Crocky, what do you think of the uh, the Tyreek Hill Patrick Sertain matchup this week? Oh man, okay, so Patrick Sertain, he he has been definitely better in this defense than I thought he would. You know, a defense that maybe asked him to play a little bit more off coverage than I personally would like. I like a lot of what he's done from that standpoint. You know, just being able to read routes down and understand concepts. Now. I mean, come on now. His dad, former really good corner in the NFL. So we know he's been coached up well and he's been taught well. And on top of having a father that played in the league and did all that, he can give you all the pointers. He went to Alabama, one of the better schools for putting out defensive backs in recent years. So he's coming in. He's prepared. He's He understands what's going to be asked of him at whatever, however Fangio wanted to do it. And again, this is a little – I thought – Looking at him and his movement skills that some of these things, especially playing off coverage, will be kind of a struggle for him. Hasn't been an issue at all. He's been a playmaker. I think he's challenging receivers. He's using his size, using his ability, his athleticism, and his length to really win matchups. Now, I against Tyreek Hill, like that's tough because when you have a corner that's 6'2", 208 pounds against a smaller, shiftier, quicker receiver, that's typically when you get in a little bit of trouble. Now, is he going to play it safe and maybe play a little bit more over the top and give up the underneath stuff? Or is he going to play 
and him, you know, challenge himself and say, you know what, I'm not afraid to get beat over the top. I'm going to play like I would play anybody else. That's going to determine how this matchup goes. But I'm intrigued to see it. I actually have no idea who's going to win, but I'll be tuned in to try to figure out, like, all right, how's this going to go down? And it better be a good matchup because they flexed the 49ers and Seahawks out of that Sunday night football game. Uh, Ian, you got any uh, any other final thoughts? Um, just a lot of you know, like you mentioned, like a lot of games within the game here. Like I'm, I'm interested to see how the the Chiefs secondary, how the corners match up with those receivers. Um, love seeing Patrick Sertan, like a huge fan of his. Obviously, has the work cut out for him, right? Like if, if I'm the Chiefs, I'm attacking downfield. I'm trying to get flags. I'm trying to get big plays. So I'm interested in that. The, the overall, the um, the trench play should be great. These teams play each other nasty. Like this is always. A game that I don't really expect to be great, but then like you watch it, and it's like, man, like these guys, it has that little extra flair. Um, really great week for rivalries this week, and it's why it's my top matchup because I think so little is expected of Denver, and I think that they can put together a performance that maybe at the end of the day we're like, man, that might have been the game of the day or that might have been a top three game of the day. We didn't expect it to be um, just a fun group of players, a lot of good playmakers that I enjoy, uh, a lot of good young players too. So um, this will be a fun one, and and. I think we'll be surprised with how competent Denver can be. Okay. Yeah. It totally makes sense. So that wraps up our six game week 13 preview. Let's open it up to questions from the listeners. If we have any, who wants to, who wants to ask us a question? Don't be shy. Here we go. Hey guys, no, I appreciate the big fan of the show. Um, appreciate all the insights. Um, the one game that I, that I definitely like wanted to circle was the Arizona game. So I, I put a teaser in um, that had the Saints up to ten and a half, and then I got Arizona down to two. Um, and I, 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 I'm starting to kind of get worried about the Arizona game. But do you think that teaser still hits? So. Yeah, so I just saw that it looks like DeAndre, um, Kyler, and someone else are all game-time decisions. Um, I, I, I mean, it's it's hard to say. Look, Arizona has been playing well even without all of their guys. I mean, I think you're in a good spot. I think Kyler's going to play. Like, he tweeted out, you know, something that kind of showed that he was probably prepared. He tweeted out like a Thanos gif, I think. He's definitely Yeah, I would back, think he's I back. Think. I would think DeAndre's going to want to come back. Like, he's a gamer. He's, he fights through injuries. Like, if they don't play, the worst case is, you know, you're going to be sweating. It, but if they play, you know, even if Kyler plays, I'd be feeling great. I mean, even if you're sweating, I wouldn't worry about it too, too much because this is the kind of like, a, if they feel like a team of destiny in this regular season, like, Kingsbury's doing an amazing job, probably going to win Coach of the Year. Um, defensively, they are just outperforming everyone's expectations. Uh, I think they really have a great, uh, again, it goes back to like identity. They have their identity. They're making it work with guys that maybe you wouldn't think would work, uh, but they're doing a really good job. So I wouldn't sweat it too much. I think it's trending in the right direction. Um, don't worry about the injury stuff too much unless if all of those guys are out. And uh, it looks like Dalton's going to start too. That actually might give the Bears maybe a better chance, depending. You know, Fields is just so inconsistent. But yeah, I agree with him. I think I think the Cardinals should be fine. Awesome. No, I appreciate it. I thought there was definitely a value there. Yeah, they've been playing well regardless. But um, I was sweating out the Saints one. I thought it was good there, and then the pick. <laughs> um, he threw, um, he threw that pick six, and then I was like, "Fuck, man!" But like, 
luckily um harris was able to take that one like <laughs> slant to the house so it's been a, it's gonna be a sweating weekend but i'm looking forward to it thanks guys thanks jace let's take our next caller alex you're on the air oh here we go hey guys you uh, i want to know why'd you put the hex on the cowboys a couple of weeks ago and uh what do you what do you think we can expect from them going forward it's because uh, you have two 49er fans in here. That's why. I actually – I'm really surprised with how they've played over the last few weeks. Now, again, good win against the New Orleans Saints, but that wasn't that, – that, it didn't look promising to me. Like, I thought the Cowboys a few weeks ago were maybe the best team in the NFL. Like, with how they were playing, with how they were able to take the ball away on defense, they have an explosive offense, they have the running game. But right now, they're kind of looking like a shell of what they were early on in the season. They're busting coverages on on the defensive side of the ball, uh, on offense. Just Dak Prescott is all over the place. Ezekiel Elliott, I don't know what's going on with him. It sounds like he might be hurt and banged up. Most, yeah, most of their yeah, rushing, he's got a uh, production knee. last night came off of two runs. Just not anything that's overly promising. Now again, the defense has been able to make plays all year. And you look at the game last night. If that's anybody but Taysom Hill. New Orleans might win that game. Like Taysom Hill basically said, you know what, Dallas, like I really just don't want to win this game. Please, here, take it. Like just win this game. You know, just put us out of our misery. Taysom Hill, he was terrible, even though his numbers, like at the end of the day, might look better for like fantasy purposes, but just wasn't good. Turn the ball over at an alarming rate. I think he threw four interceptions, including the pick six. Just it was really bad football to watch. But the Cowboys, I was definitely higher on them. You know, they had the Kansas City game. And they start to kind of look a little bit more like a front-running team to me where if they're playing against a team that they should beat up on, like they will beat them up. But if they're playing against a team and that team is, has any type of, gives any type of resistance, that other team will probably win. So I think last night the, the, the Saints defense played well enough to win that game, and I think they gave good enough resistance, but Taysom Hill just wasn't good enough. Moving forward, that's definitely going to be something I'm interested to see how the Cowboys played down the stretch. Now, I think the thing that really works in their favor they play in the NFC East. I don't think there's going to be much resistance from their divisional teams. I think come playoff time, we're going to see a different version of the Cowboys, and I don't think it's going to be anything good. Yeah, I think they need to feed Pollard more. They need to rest Zeke. The problem is they they need Dak to play so well right now, and he's just not – you know, he's playing at like 80% of what he is. And then I think they miss Randy Gregory. Like, obviously, Micah Parsons is playing out of his mind right now. But they need uh, – getting DeMarcus Lawrence uh, back helps too, but they need more of that pass rush to really solidify it. So I think they're going to end up being okay, but uh, they're probably going to end up being the fourth seed in the NFC. So they're going to probably play the Rams or the Niners, it's looking like, in the first round. So that'll be interesting. It's not the easiest road for them. Yeah, I'll add that like those those questionable pieces that we entered the year knowing about, like Anthony Brown, uh, some of the pass rushers – those positions of concern went from a big strength. Brown was playing great. Um, you mentioned Gregory, like Parsons came out and has just been phenomenal. Definitely proving some people wrong. Like he was easily the best defender, I think in this class. And that's saying something because there's been some really good defenders like Sertan's one of them too. Um, but now it's, it's getting questionable, right? Like there's the penalties, there's holding penalties that are holding the offense back. Dak is all of a sudden not making the right decisions or being slow with his decision-making or the throws are like, everything's off kilter. And I kind of mentioned that earlier with one of the other teams where it's like with the bills, I think where it's like, there's just a little bit of disjointedness with them and you're worrying. And I'm worrying about the talent, like some of the talent and some of the key positions. 
Uh, I want to see them get back to that early season where everything was in line and clicking. It's hard to get back there, I think. And, you know, entering the playoffs now, the last couple of weeks, you got to get sharp. You got to get more out of some of these guys that um, are kind of fringe players or like just decent starters. Those decent starters need to be playing well within the scheme to elevate themselves. Uh, if they were doing it, so why aren't they doing it? I think that's a big question. I'm with Lance. I'm I'm benching Zeke for a couple weeks. Get 100% Lance, or get 100% Zeke. Tony Pollard can I'm 100%, yeah, don't worry. Please be 100% too. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, give Pollard a little bit more of the workload. Um, even him, he's had more carries, more touches this year than ever in his career, including college. Um, I did see that earlier. So like, you have to be a little bit worried about Pollard too. You can't overwork him. Um, I think the talent's there. The talent is there to be really good. They are definitely one of the best teams in the NFC. But if the Rams start clicking, if the Buccaneers start figuring out their road woes, they're all of a sudden going to be, you know, third, fourth in the in the NFC. So their margin for error is small. Thanks, guys. I think I think Lance just uh, put a hex on the Niners. Though. All right. Thanks. If I have that power, <laughs> then uh, so be it. Thanks, Lex. Let's uh, get to the next caller. How do I do that? All right. Alex, I think you have to, like, end your thing. Oh, wait, here we go. Got it. JT, you are on the air. Unmute. Nope. All right. We lost one. Sam. What do you hey, got? thanks for taking my question, guys. I've got a Los Angeles Rams question for you. Obviously, the, the last... Last month has been pretty tough watching them as a Rams fan, but this week against the the Jags feels feels like a get right game. But in your opinion, in addition to just getting the win, what do you need to see from the Rams to feel confident about them going forward into the playoffs? Crocky, you want to take it? Yeah, I think it's a lot of it's going to be on Matthew Stafford, and without a run game, he's kind of reverting back to Detroit Lion Matthew Stafford, and this was something I did not foresee coming. You know, he's going to have to start taking care of the ball better. We watched him against the 49ers. You know, we watched him the week before that. Uh, I think he's kind of entering like a stretch of potentially throwing four, you know, uh, in four straight games, a pick six. That's not ideal. I think yeah, the Matt, yeah, Shaw. The Matt Shaw, we remember him doing that. 49ers were a part of that. And they definitely might be a part of it with Matthew Stafford as well. That's not ideal, especially for a guy who you brought in to take you over the top and overcome moments like this where maybe everybody's not playing well. I think losing Robert Woods was a big hit to the Rams and what they want to do uh, uh, on, on the offensive side of the ball. Now, right now, and not just Robert Woods. I talked about Robert Woods, even though they started hot. They're running back, too, you know, losing acres in the preseason or training camp. Like, that was a big hit to them as well. They're still trying to figure out the run game and how to – really kind of lean on that. So there are a lot of different things that the Rams are going to have to figure out right now. Now you throw in Odell Beckham. I think he's kind of banged up right now, but how are you going to insert him into the offense and build that continuity? Yeah, you know, he had to yeah, be play play last week. week, but now, again, might not play this week. So I think there's a lot. If there is a game where, okay, we're trying to figure it out, we're trying to get things going, can we put it all together? I think it is against Jacksonville. But we also saw a Jags team that – beat up on the Buffalo Bills, you know, and made life miserable for Josh Allen. Can they do the same? To- yeah, the, the Jags defense is, is decent. It's not a bad Yeah, they, they can play well. And I know people might point to the 49ers game. 49ers uh, often play well against them. Some of that was aided by uh, penalties on third downs by the Jaguars defense. So 
Yeah, the the Rams, you think that in theory they beat up on the Jaguars. This is a team that is down. They're playing with a rookie quarterback. He doesn't have much help. I think this is a get-right game for the Rams. But the 49ers are kind of nipping at, that heel, nipping at the heels of the Rams now. So the Rams have to start trying to figure it out and string together wins. I'm pretty sure they're hoping that it starts this week. But I think after this, things will start to get back real for them, and they'll have to figure out who they are. Yeah, I personally, I think, you know, when you go all in like they did and you don't have all those picks and everything, you, you're focusing, you're relying on the stars. And when the stars aren't playing like stars, you're p- pretty screwed. So like uh, Eric said, losing Robert Woods, who pretty much did everything for them offensively, was a huge loss. And then Stafford banged up or not, this is the Stafford that we've seen in Detroit. He's just an inconsistent guy who's going to have some of these inconsistencies. Like it's just ha- who he is. Can McVay make that? better it ha- he hasn't so far and i think mcveigh is a big piece of this i don't think he's evolving enough of his offense to uh to help i think he's focusing a little more on what stafford likes to do he needs to bring in his own concepts and everything and the defense just isn't the same they they miss uh brandon staley and they just don't have the same playmakers so without the the superstars playing like superstars this is kind of what happens what do you think ian any any thoughts yeah, only thing I would add is that uh, I'd like to see Sean McVay get out of his tendencies a little bit. Um, right. Steven Ruiz of uh, The Ringer pointed out some really good stuff this past week on Twitter. Like He went through a lot of their um, their situational play, and a lot of it is predictable. Like When Cooper Cup is in the slot, he's doing either quick ins and out routes. Um, when they have basically no tight end attached to the offensive line, so it's just five blockers um, just straight up, like, they're almost exclusively not running the ball. So I think they're just being a little bit too predictable and they need to mix it up a little bit. And McVay does this. He has a tendency to do this where he's just too um, stuck in his ways until the off season. He can reevaluate. I think especially coming off of a, a bye week um, to come out against green Bay and continue those trends, I think was just kind of poor awareness. He has to go back to the drawing board and start to, to switch things up a little bit, help out his talent a little bit more. Um, on top of everything that the other guys mentioned. Yeah, he needs to pull a Kyle Shanahan and kind of pull out the Debo at running back thing. He needs some kind of wrinkles to change some things up. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, let's go to JT. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Again. Uh, my question revolves around the AFC West. I know we got some big matchups to end the season and uh, let's just assume that Casey takes the number one seed there. Uh, who do you think is going to, or if there is going to be a team and wild card position coming out of the AFC West, and do you think they have a chance in the playoffs? Uh, Ian, you, you want to take this one? Yeah, sure. So, actually, just wrote about this. Um, <laughs> so, AFC, um, especially with the, their wild cards. So, I, I, I broke down kind of the AFC teams. I think that could get the wild card spots. Um, my favorites were the Colts. Um, kind of blanking now it was the uh, the colts the Bengals, and the bills yeah yeah that's right so i would bills. definitely go with i think the bills obviously have the potential like if they can get their pass rush down a little bit um get a little bit more consistent their offensive identity if they can get it there like i think they easily have the clearest path and some of that is just because of pure upside of josh allen and his ability to own that offense and be that offensive orbit he's so good at it when he's right that it's a scary function. We saw it last year. Um, when he's good, that team is as good as any team. 
their defense just needs to step it up a little bit. Like they're ranking as a top defense. They're not playing always like a top defense. We touched on it earlier, like their inconsistencies, but I think that the ability is there uh, more so than what we've seen in the past. Um, so for them, it's just like the cohesiveness. Can they kind of get those, those tracks aligned? Um, I wouldn't say anyone else. I don't think Cincinnati really has that potential. I don't think um, Cleveland, um, anyone in the NFC West or AFC West, um, the chargers, like I like them, but we're seeing their, their roster just a little bit too flawed. They don't have the depth yet to get there. Um, the Colts, I like them to make the playoffs, but I don't think that they have the offensive playmaking around, uh, Jonathan Taylor yet. Their receivers just aren't there yet. Like it's, it's a little bit shy. Carson Wentz isn't really like that big passer yet. Like he's efficient, but he's not that 2017 Carson Wentz. Um, the defense doesn't quite have the turnover machine that they need on the back end. Um, so like, they're just missing like these small parts. When you look against Kansas City, you have to have that. When you look against like the, the cream of the crop, you have to have a couple guys that can really be huge difference makers and X factors. I'm not sure I see that in those, those wildcard teams. It's just probably why they're wildcard teams. Um, but Buffalo, I think, is the one that stands out. Like I think that they're probably this number – They'd probably be like my number two team in the AFC, even amongst all their issues. Uh, Baltimore would be right there too. It's just they're playing against a team that's better in the regular season, which is the Patriots. Yeah, I, I agree with Ian. I think you know, I don't think any of the teams outside of whoever wins the AFC West uh, makes the playoffs. It's really a toss-up. I'd probably go with the Broncos. They have a, a better uh, point differential, and I just kind of trust their defense and what they're doing on offense a little more. Obviously if the chargers can unleash Herbert and he's, they start, you know, extending the field a little bit, I think they have a, a nice shot, but I'd, I'd lean Broncos, but uh, I completely agree with what he said. All right. Uh, any more callers? Oh, we got a Sam's back for more. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. I've, I've got a uh, <clears throat> fantasy question for you, if you don't mind. <clears throat> yeah. So sure. There's a guy in our league. He uh, he's got DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor, and he's really missing an opportunity to have his team name have something to do with Taylor Swift there. And so my question is, how would you properly raz him? It's uh, a good question, uh, Ian. You want to take it, or what do you think? Oh boy. Um. Sometimes I'm really quick with this stuff. Sometimes I'm not great with it. I like the Taylor Swift angle. I don't know. I think I, I might have to think about this one. Yeah, you know, as somebody who does have uh, both those players and who I think I know who you're talking about, uh, I was actually considering naming my team uh, some kind of Taylor Swift thing, but I'm not a Swifty. So I didn't want to, you know, disrespect on any of the Swift heads out there. Yeah, that's a fair response. And full disclosure, that, that was in reference to your team, Lance. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Uh, any more callers? Going once, going twice. All right. Well, this was a nice, fun conversation. Ian, Eric, thank you so much for uh, for joining us today. Uh, make sure to tune in every week to call in as we continue to expand our podcast presence. You can follow Lines on Twitter at Lines and on Instagram at Lines underscore Sports. You can follow me at Casually Ginger. Uh, what do you guys want to plug? Crocky, let's start with you. Oh, yeah, at Eric underscore Crocker. Uh, follow me on Twitter, and from there, you can find everything that I'm doing. Perfect. Ian, what about you? Yeah, at, I tweet everything out. And, uh, yeah, same thing. Thanks for, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, they're both great follows, so follow them, and uh, we'll, be back, uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks, everybody.
Bye.